Hey, before we go any further in this service, want to just uh, invite you to take a moment and express your honor, your love, and your appreciation for the way Pastor Jessica and Pastor Jared have taught us from the Word of God over the last three weeks. They've done a wonderful job, and we need to let them know how much we appreciate that. I know I appreciated having a little break from preaching, and then last Sunday, uh, we were away. We were finishing up a week-long vacation, and we had some time to sit on the beach in the warm weather and listen to the waves crash, and it just did my soul so much good. So uh, so it's good to get away, uh, but we are glad to be back uh, Except on Tuesday when I saw snow flurries, I was like, Lord, I don't think I'm glad to be back. I think let's go back to the beach. Um, And maybe we could have Lakeview at the beach. That seems like a way that we should move into the future. So um, I'll pray some more about that. Um, No, it is good to be back. And I I do want to just take a moment before we get into the message and really just talk about the fact that you guys have done such an amazing job of loving on us as a pastoral team over the last few weeks. We've gotten so many notes and emails and gift cards and sweet treats, and uh, it's just been such, such a blessing to us. And I know that I'm speaking on behalf of all of our team as we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for the way that you've expressed your love and appreciation appreciation to us. It is an honor for us to serve alongside you in ministry, and we're just glad that God has led us together as a team, and he's led us to serve with you at this time. So thank you for all that you have done for us over these last few weeks. And the staff said, amen. Um, So we're going to start a brand new message series today, and it's a message series that I'm calling I Thank God, and each week over the next uh, four Sundays, we're going to spend time focusing in on who God is and what God has done, and our hope and intent for this series is not just to help us celebrate better on Thanksgiving Day. I hope you'll do that. But it's not really about Thanksgiving Day as a holiday. It is about cultivating in our lives the practice of Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is an essential part of the faith journey. And the reason I say that is because the message I want to share with you today is a message that really is built on one big idea. And the big idea for today's message is this. Thanksgiving is a doorway into the presence of God. Now, I want to be really clear about something. God is present in all places at all times. There is nowhere, the scriptures tell us, that you could go today where you could hide from God's presence. Wherever you go, on the highest mountain, the lowest valley, anywhere in between, God's going to be there when you get there. He is present in all places at all times. But When we come into his presence, to say it another way, when we make ourselves present to the one who is present with us, we experience him in a different way. And when I talk about entering into a doorway into the presence of God, I'm not suggesting that you're you're conjuring up the presence of God or that you're somehow getting God to come where you are. I'm just saying that there is a different experience of the presence of God that happens when you make yourself available to him. And one of the ways that we do that is through thanksgiving. 
And I think that in our lives, in the world that we're living in right now, I mean, I know everything in this world is perfect and great and awesome, but if it weren't, just saying if it weren't, okay, if things were maybe a little chaotic, if things were maybe a little stressful, if things were maybe a little out of control or, or maybe there's lots of conflict in the world around us, Maybe if, maybe if we looked at our world and saw how broken it was, maybe we would recognize in our lives as followers of Jesus that it would be good for us to cultivate in our lives a better and deeper and more regular experience of the presence of God. And if we're going to do that, we have to do it through thanksgiving. But here's the problem. It is easier to thank God when you're sitting on the beach than when you're driving on the bypass on Halloween and there's lots of traffic and it's snowing. I find it easier to thank God on the beach. I'm just saying. And the reality is, is that I think, I think this is true of all of us. I know it's true for me that when life is good, it is easier for me to thank God because the conditions are right. The circumstances are supporting my effort to thank God, to praise God, to worship God. But when life isn't great, when the day didn't go the way I wanted it to go, when there's challenges and there's difficulties... When the bad report comes from the doctor, when the bank account is empty, when, when it seems as if the relationships that are closest to us feel strained and difficult and hard, then when we say, thank God, it's like, I don't think so. Because it's easier to thank God when the conditions and the circumstances are right. But when the conditions and circumstances are more challenging, it is harder for us to thank God. Except here's the issue. We need the presence of God in our lives on good days and bad ones. So we have to learn how to be thankful on good days. Maybe we don't have to learn that. Maybe that's just easy. But we really have to learn how to thank God when the days aren't going the way we want them to go. And, and I think the reality is, is that too often we root our thanksgiving in the conditions and circumstances of life so that when we feel good, thanksgiving comes naturally. And when we feel bad, we resist being thankful because we feel as if we don't have something to be thankful for. We have to root our thanksgiving in something that doesn't shift and change with the day and the time and the mood. We have to root our thanksgiving in something that's solid and stable and unshifting. And today what I want to do just for a few minutes is I want to study with you Psalm 100. And so if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. Everything's going to be on the screen, not just from Psalm 100, but any other verse that I refer to. And then, and then if you don't have a Bible and you'd like to have one, we have Bibles for you. So all you need to do is see me right after the service. I've got some Bibles up here at the front. We also have Bibles at our Welcome Center. And you can stop there and just say, I would like to have a Bible. And we will put one in your hand free of charge. We would love to do that for you today because we want you to have a copy of the scriptures that you can use so that you can read the word of God for yourself. 
But today we're going to study Psalm 100, and we're going to look at this passage. It's actually the passage that Christian read earlier in the, in the time of worship that we were having, and it's completely appropriate that he read it during worship because it is a psalm inviting us to worship. And this is what Psalm 100 says, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, what I want to do over these next few minutes is just kind of unpack Psalm 100 together, and I really just want to walk through it and kind of help you understand this psalm, hopefully at a deeper level, in a way that will actually help you cultivate the practice of daily thanksgiving. And we're going to kind of move through this pretty quickly, but as you look at Psalm 100, what you recognize as you read it is that it's really divided into two parts. And both parts begin the same way. They begin with a command. If you look at the first verse, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him singing with joy. And then there's an, another verse that talks about why we should do that. And then there's another command. And the second command says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, it's interesting, if you study this psalm in the original language that it was written, if you study it in Hebrew, what you discover is that these two verses that I just referenced are written in the imperative form. What that means is these are commands. God is not saying, thank me when you feel like it, or praise me when it's convenient, or worship me when it fits in your day. This psalmist, as he is writing these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is commanding us to come before God with songs of joy, to worship him with gladness in our hearts, to give him thanksgiving and to give him praise. And it is not optional. It is a command which emphasizes what we said just a few moments ago. If you're waiting for the circumstances and the conditions to be right, you're going to miss out on following and obeying the command given in Psalm 100. Because we're not, we're not asked to thank him when everything's great. We're asked to thank him, actually commanded to thank him, period. Regardless of what's going on around us. To come into his presence with joy and gladness. And this is not part of the sermon. This is just a little aside. And this might be for you today. If you sing in worship and you never smile, I just want you to read Psalm 100. <laughs> I remember I used to sing in university choir with Todd Guy. Some of you will know who he is. And he would always say to us before we would sing, please notify your face about what your heart is feeling. 
Okay? Come before the Lord with songs of joy. Give him praise and thanksgiving. And when you do that, put a smile on your face and recognize that you are worshiping the God of the universe and he inhabits the praises of his people. Now, this psalmist commands us to worship God no matter what's going on around us, but there's got to be a foundation for it. Right? We, what's the foundation of our thanksgiving and our praise? It's not our circumstances. He doesn't talk anything about our circumstances. He doesn't talk about how we're feeling or what we're experiencing or what the conditions are in the world around us. He says, come before God with joyful songs. Worship him with gladness. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Why? Because of who God is and what God has done, period. Each command in this psalm is followed by truths about who God is. In fact, there are six truths in this passage about God, and I want to give them to you very quickly this morning because these are the foundations of our thanksgiving and our praise and our worship, and these things are true all the time. The first thing we learn about God from Psalm 100, God is sovereign. The psalmist says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. In other words, recognize that, that in all of the things in this world that vie for your attention and your loyalty and your investment, there's only one God, and he is the Lord of your life, and he reigns as the sovereign ruler over everything. I told you that every verse I would mention would be on the screen, but I just thought of another verse that's not on the screen, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. It's Isaiah 66, verse 1, where the Lord himself says, the heavens are my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is God saying? God's saying, whatever the conditions of your life are right now, I'm over them. I'm not wanting to downplay or minimize the hard things you might be experiencing right now because some of you might be experiencing really, really difficult things. I'm not, I'm not pushing them aside. I'm not minimizing them. I'm not saying that they're not hard. They're absolutely hard. All I'm asking you to do is take that thing you're experiencing and put it where it belongs, under the lordship of our God and recognize that he is sovereign over everything Amen. and that he reigns today. And just that alone, if we, if we just stopped the psalm there and didn't talk about anything else, that would be enough for us to give him thanks and praise and worship from now until the time Jesus returns. But the psalmist has more to share. We go on from there and we learn the next thing. God is creator. He says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. In other words, God is sovereign. He reigns over everything. And then he goes on to say, he made us. He made us. It's always funny when we say, particularly in our North American United States context, that that's a self-made man or a self-made woman. Nope. God created all of us. You didn't make yourself. You're not that smart. God created us. We know this because the scripture begins with it. Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He sits as the initiator of everything that exists in this world. 
And the psalmist picked up on this in Psalm 24 when he said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And by the time we get to the New Testament, this is a standard, solid, central teaching of the church. Paul writes in a letter to the Christians in Colossae, and he says to them, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme. There's that sovereignty piece again over all creation. And here's why he's sovereign. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things that we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. God is sovereign over everything today. Whatever you're dealing with, God's over it. He's got power and authority and control to deal with it. And you need to recognize he can have that place of authority because he made it all. It starts with him, it ends with him, and in him everything is held together and has its being. God is sovereign and God is creator. Third, God is savior. The psalmist says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. And we might be tempted to think that we're his because God created us. But the reality is, is that this statement is not a statement about God's creative act. It is a statement about God's redemptive act. See, God created us in Genesis 1-1 and, and he brought us into existence and we were to have fellowship with him. But human beings rebelled against God. We went our own way and we moved farther and farther and farther away from God. And God looked at us in our sin and in our rebellion, moving away from him. And he said, I want a relationship with those people. So do you know what God did? He sent his only son to die on a cross, why would he do that? To buy us back, to redeem us, to restore us into our rightful relationship with God and restore us to our original intent. This is what Paul writes about in the letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth. In his first letter to them in chapter six, verse 19 and 20, he says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. God bought you with a high price, the price of his own son. He goes on to say, so you must honor God with your body. In his second letter to the same Christians in the city of Corinth, he says this, he died for everyone, meaning Christ, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves, but instead they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. God is the sovereign creator over the world, but he is your savior. He bought you back at a high price, the price of his own son, and he gives you the gift of salvation free to you, but it was bought at a high price. And that's a lot to give God thanks for, that God would be our savior. Next, in the psalm, we see that God is also our shepherd 
Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. I was thinking about this and thinking about the teachings of Jesus and how Jesus said that he would be our shepherd and that he would guide us and he would direct us. He would speak to us. And because we are his sheep, we would know his voice when he speaks and we would follow his leadership. And you know what? Wherever God leads us, it is what is best for us. Some of you don't believe that, but I'm telling you, it is 100% true. I'm not telling you that wherever God leads you will be easy. Easy and best aren't the same thing. In fact, sometimes easy and best are actually opposed to each other. God doesn't always lead us on the easy road, but he always leads us to the place that is best for us if we will follow his leadership. God loves you so much that he wants to come into your life and be your shepherd guiding you, directing you, leading you, correcting you when you're wrong, affirming you when you're right, and he wants to walk you right into green pastures and let you lie down and find rest beside those streams. And he wants to make sure that even when you find yourself in the presence of your enemies right there, he'll set a table for you and he'll give you a feast. Why? Because he loves you. Because he has your best interest at heart. He is our savior and our shepherd. That brings me to the next thing the psalmist says. God is good. God is good. He goes on in verse five to say, for the Lord is good. The Lord is good. This is the psalmist kind of moving us to more and more personal reflections on the character and nature of God. Can you see it? God is sovereign over everything, creator of all that exists. And so we, we start thanking God for his greatness, how expansive and big and powerful and mighty he is. And then the psalmist gets a little more close. God is your savior. God is your shepherd. He's redeeming you and buying you back. He's leading you step by step. He's guiding you along the path he wants you to go. And now he gets to this personal moment. God is good. And I know that some of you have reasons to think God isn't always good because you've had bad things happen to you. You've gone through heartache and heartbreak, and you've gone through hard, difficult times and seasons. You've had moments in your life where you felt God had abandoned you. So did Jesus. When Jesus was on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We all go through hard seasons and hard times, but if we just step back and wait for a moment, if we just wait for a moment, we can think about all the ways God has been good. Breath in our lungs. We take that for granted an awful lot. Houses to live in, clothes to wear. I, I see everybody's got clothes on. Praise God. <laughs> clothes to wear. Church family to gather with people in our lives to help us take the journey that we're supposed to take. Listen, I'm not saying there aren't hard things in life. There are. But God is good. God is good. And if we just stop and think for a moment, we can count those blessings. Pastor Jessica's going to get mad at me because I'm going to talk about a Christmas movie for a moment. 
According to Pastor Jessica rules, in a perfect world, no one refers to Christmas until after Thanksgiving. But Pastor Jessica and all of you who just applauded are going to have to get over it. Because I'm going to talk about Christmas this morning. One of my favorite Christmas movies is White Christmas. There are lots of reasons I like this movie. uh, And I'm not going to go into all the reasons. But there's one scene in particular that's probably my favorite scene. And it is the scene where Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney find themselves in the lodge at nighttime. Rosemary Clooney's character can't sleep, and she goes to the lodge because she's just restless. And they, they sit by the fire. If you guys know this movie, you know the scene I'm talking about. And then, and then as, you know, as musicals do, the point of the scene comes through in a song. Because Bing Crosby, his character, sings a song to Rosemary Clooney. And then, of course, she automatically knows the song. I don't know how that happens in musicals, but she sings with him. It's amazing how that happens. But, but Bing Crosby teaches in this song a powerful lesson. And the song goes like this. When you're worried and you can't sleep, Count your blessings instead of sheep, and you'll fall asleep counting your blessings. It's a powerful, powerful moment. I really just did that because I wanted you all to know I can sing better than Pastor Jared. Every time I watch that scene, it moves me because it reminds me in my own life that all too often I worry about things. I find myself getting stressed about things. I find myself carrying the cares of my life on my own shoulders. And what I need to do in those moments is step back and begin to count the blessings that God has poured out in my life. Because when I do, I'll be reminded that God is good. And when I know that God is good, I know that he'll take these cares that I am carrying and I can actually give them to him. You know why? Because he cares for me. God is good. And if you'd stop for just half a second and just think about blessings in your life, you will come up with a list. Doesn't matter what's going on around you. There are blessings that you've had in your life that you could count today. God is good. The last thing that the psalmist says about God in this passage is that God is loving. God is loving. He says that his unfailing love continues forever. And we've already talked about the love of God today. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And when we were still sinners, God demonstrated his love for us. When we were going down that road of rebellion and sin, God said, I love them so much that even at their worst, I will give my son for them. And Christ willingly allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be spilled so that we could be redeemed. He died for us so that we would no longer live for ourselves and we would live instead for him, the one who died and was raised for us. God is love and he is loving. And when you think about all of these truths, there's plenty to be thankful for. But there's one more truth in this passage, and it's the best part. I saved the best for last. 
God is faithful. The very last phrase of this psalm simply says, his faithfulness continues to each generation. I love this because the psalmist isn't just telling us something that was true for him. And it wasn't just true in his day. He's telling us something that is true in all places and in all times and for all people that God never changes. The God who was sovereign is sovereign and will be sovereign. The God who created is the creator and he will always be the creator. No one will ever unseat him from that title. God is the one who saves, not just back there and not just today, but for your children and your children's children and for a thousand generations. God is savior and he will lead and he will guide and he will direct a shepherd. He never gives that up. He is that. He was that for the psalmist. He's that for us today. He'll be that for future generations. Why? Because God is faithful and he is always good all the time. He never stops being good and he never moves away from love because that's who God is. He is faithful to each generation, which means when you wake up tomorrow morning, whatever the conditions, whatever the circumstances, I'm just telling you right now, you can enter into the presence of God with thanksgiving. It doesn't matter what you're experiencing because these things are always, always, always true about God, which means you can thank him for who he is and what he does any day, any time, any place, because it's always true. Amen? Amen. So here's my challenge to you as we close this morning. I want to challenge you to begin a practice of daily thanksgiving. Because I think what we need in our lives right now is more of the presence of God. More of the presence of God. And Psalm 100 teaches us that when we come before him with songs and we worship him with gladness and we enter his gates with thanksgiving, we come into his presence. And I want you to experience that every single day. I think it'll make your life better. I think it will improve the quality of your life if you enter into the presence of God every day. So here's my challenge. Five minutes, just five minutes, every day. Just five minutes. You can take longer, and there's a really good chance once you get into this, you will. But just start with five minutes, and I just want you to do three things in that five-minute time. I just want you to spend some time reflecting on what's true about God. Use Psalm 100 as an outline. Just go through those truths about God. God's sovereign, God's creator, God's savior, God's shepherd, God's good, God's loving. And just spend a couple of minutes thanking God for what is true about him. Secondly, remember the cross. Just take a moment and think about where you'd be if Jesus didn't die on that cross. And then just call to mind the image of him hanging there on that cross, giving his life for you. And give him thanks that he loved you that much. 
And then thirdly, I just want to encourage you to record the blessings. Just keep a list. I added to my journal a couple of years ago just one question that I respond to every day. What are, what's something you're thankful for today? And every day I just try to find something I've never thanked God for before because his blessings are new every day. And there are lots of things I thank him regularly for that are kind of just part of the consistent process of thanksgiving, but I try to find one new thing and just give him thanks for that. Just record the blessings. And if you'll just spend five minutes a day thanking God, you're gonna make yourself present to the one who is always present with you. And when you do that, it's gonna change your life. It's gonna change your life. So this morning, what I wanna ask us to do as we close, I just wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and I just wanna ask you, if you're here this morning and you've heard this message and you say, you know what, I, I'm willing to take that challenge. I wanna begin the practice of daily thanksgiving. All I want you to do, nobody's looking around, I just want you to raise your hand and say, I'm gonna start that tomorrow. I'm gonna, first thing tomorrow or sometime tomorrow, I'm gonna just spend five minutes thanking God. Their hand's going up all over this room. Just begin the practice of daily thanksgiving. All right, you can put your hands down. Keep your heads bowed. Because there might be someone here today who you needed to hear about the love and the goodness and the grace of God so that you could understand what God has made possible for you. There might be someone here this morning who's never accepted Jesus. You've never made a commitment to follow him, to come into a relationship with him. And the scriptures tell us that God is standing at the door and he's knocking right now and he's saying, would you let me into your life? And if you do, we'll have a relationship because that's what God wants for us. And this morning you've heard that Jesus allowed his body to be broken, his blood to be spilled so that you could come back to God. You were bought with a price. You were valuable and you were worth God giving his son. And if you're here today <clears throat> and you'd say right now, I've never accepted Jesus. I've never made a decision to follow him, but I wanna do that. No one's looking around. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you forward. Just wanna give you a chance to respond so that I can pray for you. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand and say, I'm ready to follow Jesus and I'd like you to pray for me. Anybody here this morning who would raise your hand and say that? All right, let's pray together this morning. God, we are so grateful for your presence and your mercy and your grace in our lives. You're so good. You're so loving. You're so faithful, so true. And we thank you this morning. We praise your name and we honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Jared.